Building an intentional business to me is creating a career around my life, not a life around my career. And Love that. it's a quote that I came up with about two months ago and I've been saying it every day and it's it's truly what I've done. And I, I can say I did it intentionally because I quit that, that job called Turkey. Welcome back, intentional business owners. I've got a really fun conversation for you today with Molly Rose Speed. Molly Rose is the founder of the Virtual Assistant Academy. She discusses her journey from quitting her corporate job to becoming a successful virtual assistant and then eventually going on to train others through the academy to be a virtual assistant and also starting an agency to help match them up with other business owners that are looking for a VA. We also dive into what an intentional business means to her and how a VA can be the perfect first hire for an intentional business owner. So if you're a business owner, you're listening to this, you're wanting to know how you can grow your business, I think listening to this episode will be very beneficial to you and how you can scale and add that first part-time employee in your business by looking into hiring a virtual assistant. Let's hit the quick disclaimers and then hop into the conversation with Molly Rose Speed. Justin Green is the founder of Assist FP, a registered investment advisor in the state of Massachusetts. Colton Etherton is a financial advisor and founder of Out of the Office Planning, a registered investment advisor in the state of Oregon. This podcast is for informational purpose only and is not advice. All opinions expressed by the host or their guests are solely theirs and do not reflect Assist FP or Out of the Office Planning. Talk to your advisor if you have any questions. Molly Rose, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Justin. I'm excited to chat with you today. Absolutely. Let's kick it off. Where are you calling in from? Let everyone know. Yeah, I'm in Destin, Florida. It's a small beach town in the panhandle of Florida. It's beautiful. I'm very familiar. My in-laws have um, they have a place in Perdido Key, Pensacola. Yeah, yeah. Pensacola. Cool. Uh, we, we always say, you know, well, let's go to Destin when we go down there. And then we just... We never Traffic. end up making it there, but it's it's only like an hour away, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, military spouse, right? Yep, is, is correct. Your, he um, is he at the Pensacola base, or is there a base no. in Destin as well? So there's three in the area. There's the Navy oh, okay. base in Pensacola. There's the Spec Ops base in uh, Hurlburt Field, and then there's Eglin. So he's bounced around throughout all those except for the Navy base because we're Air Force. Gotcha. Very cool. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and then we'll dive right in. Yeah, yeah. So I have been traditionally a virtual assistant for the past 13 years. About six years ago, I started an academy professionalizing what we all know now as a virtual assistant because there was no standard. There still are no standards. So I created my own to really professionalize the space as we all need these roles in our businesses so much. And then I also run a placement agency called Virtual Assistant Management for our certified VAs to be placed with awesome entrepreneurs. Very cool. What is the most basic definition of a virtual assistant? From my perspective, a virtual assistant is your general administrator working online for your business. So that's general for a reason because they can wear so many hats. Um, but the, the front end admin of your business. So I'm really interested to have this conversation because I've worked with a lot of business owners, a lot of online business owners, coaches, consultants, thought leaders, and there's this common thought that in order to like grow and scale, you know, let's use a coach, for example, let's use a fitness coach. 
that the first hire they want to make is an assistant fitness coach. And I actually don't think that's true. I think a VA is actually the perfect first hire. And I've always said that. And um, I have no affiliation with Molly Rose. This is the first time we're actually meeting. So I'm not like, you know, pitching that. But I've always thought that if you want to run like an intentional business, it makes a lot more sense to hire a VA first than to start hiring coaches to take on that type of work. I'm interested, like, do you feel like it's usually the first hire that a business owner makes? Yeah, a thousand percent. I actually find myself answering that question a lot and saying that it's usually the first hire. And the reason for that is we all started businesses, take the fitness instructor, because they love teaching other people about fitness. That's their passion. That's the service that they want to do. But along the way, they started wearing what I call 27 hats. Now they're scheduling and marketing and doing bookkeeping and invoicing and tracking down payments and you name it. We could go on for 25 minutes about what all the things go into it. So by offloading majority of those tasks, they're able to continue doing what they love and what they're really good at. So a VA is the perfect person to be able to fulfill that role in any type of business. Absolutely. And I think also like a VA gives you the opportunity to offload a lot of tasks without having to really train and manage yeah. an employee. Because I think that's one of the, the biggest things that they'll learn when they bring on an actual like assistant coach is that a lot of their time is now being spent training and, and helping that coach get up to speed. Whereas they could have just offloaded a lot of the tasks they didn't want to do and then just kept doing those tasks themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, I think that that's the rut that we all get into as business owners. It's like, well, I'll just keep doing it or I don't want to offload this. It's too simple for me to do, but then we can never scale. Like you just started this conversation. We can never keep going. Yeah, absolutely. What What are some of the challenges like early on hiring a VA? Because I don't want to make it seem like there's no um, like management, employee management or, oh, yeah. um, no training required. Cause I, I find that there's a lot of upfront work, but then, then once you kind of get that. So tell us a little yeah. bit more how that kind of looks early on when a business owner were to start working with a VA. Yeah. So some of the, the pitfalls and I'm guilty of this too. I have a virtual assistant, but I, and I learned a lot by getting my own virtual assistant of what my clients go through. Um, but a lot of it is we did have this business of our own for so long. We were the one in charge of it. So releasing that control is a very hard thing for us as business owners to do. And um, I noticed that in myself, like I would want things done a certain way, but if they got to the same outcome, I had to think through that for myself. Like it doesn't matter how they're getting there just as long as the result gets done. So that's something I have to talk to people a lot about. Um, I think what also is important to recognize is when you're going to hire a virtual assistant, you're probably really overwhelmed. A lot of people wait until they really need it versus, you know, a month or two ahead when they still have some time balance mm -hmm. for themselves. Um, so that becomes a big challenge. So the onboarding process kind of gets shoved to the side and virtual assistants kind of get thrown the kitchen sink, if you will, and they're like, figure it out. And that doesn't really set them up for success. So those are a few things to kind of watch out for when you're hiring and there's seven. Yeah, that that <laughs> makes perfect sense. You know, the first hire is always too late. I, I think that's almost yeah. inevitable. Um, and so you're kind of catching up from there. I heard a quote one time and I can't remember who it was from and I'm also probably going to botch it, but it was like, if someone can do the same work as me 
85% as well, but yeah. it frees up my time, 100% of my time, um, then I'm okay with that, right? And I think it is a mindset shift that you just kind of have to make. I'm a little bit of, I am a control freak in the business um, and a numbers guy, you know, mm-hmm. I, I tend to be a little bit perfectionist on that, that side of things. And, and, but the reality is, is if you can free up your time and somebody can do it, even 85%, honestly, in the long run, they probably do it better than you, <laughs> right? Yeah. Cause those are things that we're not passionate about doing. So we don't want to do it anyways. Um, and so, you know, early on, maybe they're doing it 85% as well as you, but over the long term, they probably get to, you know, 150%. So I, I, I really like that quote. And I think it, it kind of lines yeah. up with what you, you were saying there. Um, let's back it up a little bit though. Like how did you, so I read that you have a corporate finance background, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, So how did this like change happen? Because, uh, I'm interested in like how you built your business as well. Yeah. So I went to college, majored in finance, um, graduated in 2010. So economy wasn't the best of things at that time. Um, but I was lucky enough to get corporate finance jobs because I did a few of them trying to figure out where my place was in corporate. And I ended up following my now husband down to where we live. I grew up in Iowa um, mm-hmm. and found a job in healthcare doing finance. I was like, this is going to be great. Healthcare, th- th- I'm going to kill it. This can be a great career. Um, and I quickly learned that this corporate life for me was not one that I wanted to live. I value freedom above all things. I didn't know this, but I was happy and lucky enough at a young age to follow that kind of little voice in my head. And I learned for the first time what an entrepreneur was by attending a conference a few years out of college and I was still working in corporate. And I thought that I feel strange saying that now because entrepreneur is what everyone is doing and we're all starting our own businesses, it seems like. But back then it you didn't go to college and they didn't tell you that you could start your own business. Entrepreneurship came around in the past 10 years in colleges, in my opinion, at least in my school. Um, So I kind of got that first taste of, you know, I can sell my services and make money without having a corporation behind me. This is interesting. So I quit my job cold turkey, not knowing what I was going to do, but knowing that I would figure it out. And that's what led me into being a virtual assistant at the very beginning. So you just walked in and quit, had no backup plan? No, none. It was, I mean, one of the hardest things I've ever done, scariest things. And, you know, my husband was deployed at the time and he came home to an unemployed fiance and we got married (laughs) and he's like, oh, this is, this is great. Um, But I, I replied to an advertisement on Facebook of somebody that I knew from that conference who was hiring a social media campaign manager. No idea what that was. I was like, I'm going to apply. I'm going to try. And they hired me and it was my first taste of, of doing this work for myself. And I had no idea what social media campaign management was none, I, but what I figured it this? out. This is 2012. Nobody did. <laughs> Nobody right? knew yeah. Good point. Yeah. It was like crowdfund, crowdfunding, yeah. or, you know, Kickstarter campaigns for a student loan documentary, but yeah, good point. And we successfully raised 75 grand. And a lot of that was in part of social media efforts and just doing what we do now. I wish I could do that job now because I'd probably kill it. That's Even... really cool. That's scary as a yeah. finance guy. Um, but that's yeah. really cool. The um, Did you guys move? Have you guys moved a lot? No, which is funny because part of why I started this job was because I thought we'd be moving around the country every two to three years. And we've been here for 13 years. Wow. So, which is unheard yeah, that's of. Yeah, that's an experience I've known. Um, 
my wife has a good friend. She's a military spouse. They're, they move a lot. They're down yeah. in DC now. But that was one of the biggest issues with her was like, she's in the healthcare. She's a, a nurse as well. But like having to, to go find a new job every, you know, two years, two to three years, or that's a pretty flexible job in the sense of like, there's always pretty high demand for nurses. But, you know, when yeah. you take other careers, like corporate careers and stuff like that, military spouses, they have a really hard time. I think a lot of people outside of that world, they don't really think about that. Um, so I think that's a, I'm guessing that was probably a brilliant opportunity for you when you yeah. started to train other VAs of like the community of military spouses. It's probably a really good option for them if I had to guess. Yeah. And that's exactly why I did start the training academy. Um, I had no plan to do that. I wasn't one of those people that are like, oh, I'm good at this. So now I'll teach others, you know, mm -hmm. the course creation, bad hack that everyone's getting the name for. But I was getting asked by fellow military spouses over and over, how do I do what you do? You know, when your husband deploys, you're working from hostels in Europe and you're happy and you're making money, what's going on? So I would just meet, meet up with them at Starbucks and tell them about this. And one too many conversations later, I was like, I need to record this. I have something on my hands here. And that's what created what we now know as the Virtual Assistant Academy. Very cool. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So it's a, it's a training academy and certification program that not only teaches uh, individuals how to run a business, a virtual assistant business. And there's a lot that goes into that to be successful out of the gate. I left a lot of money on the table by not pricing right. I didn't have boundaries when I started. I had no onboarding process. I left clients on that would have been great. It didn't get them because I just didn't have my systems in place. So I address all the, those things and the issues that I made and other VAs have made along the way. Um, and then there's also a tech academy built in with it. And I use that term loosely because as we know, technology is ever changing. What I did 13 years ago is not what I do today. Um, so we, we address eight core competencies and then I teach them how to get advanced training in courses or websites or, or more advanced things that are needed online as well that VAs can certainly do for their clients. So is that like a, this is a common technology that business owners use. So like, let's teach you how to use it. Is that, is that what you mean there? Yeah. So for example, email marketing, all okay. online business owners are using email marketing. If they're not, they should. So virtual assistants need to know what's a sending an email broadcast. What's a funnel? What are tags? And I teach them how to do that in two to three systems, knowing that you can kind of transfer that to just about any system with a few of their own tutorials. All these softwares have such great training of their own, but if we know the foundations of what we should know as a virtual assistant, then we can apply it to, to any software. Gotcha. When someone's looking for a VA, where do they go? Like, where do they find? And how do they? Yeah. Like, how do they know they're legit? Yeah, great question. So there are VAs all over the world, and yeah. I hire overseas just as I hire in the states. And there's reasons for both. So I'm a huge proponent of Upwork. People use Fiverr. I've had not as good a success there, um, mm -hmm. but. You have to be very, very specific about what you're looking for and how you want them to do it and the steps you want them to take and the hours and the templates they need to use, for example. Um, so I use that for a lot of design work or research, um, but I use stateside virtual assistants for 
you know, if, if I have a vision of something like, okay, I really need to up level my podcast presence as an example, help me strategize this. Let's put some ads together or let's get some social media going and they can really help alongside of you execute a vision versus being told what to do step-by-step by step. So to find US-based virtual assistants, there's agencies like I run one now, virtual assistant management, that you can go through if you need a more professionalized approach. Um, but I'm also a huge proponent of your network. There's great people within an arm's reach um, on social media or within your own network. So if you're looking for something and you have a, a loose job description, you can probably find some great talent uh, within your network. It's a good place to start. That's good to know. Um, I feel like that your network is actually, I think I agree with you. It is the best place to start because I feel like you, you need to trust and know like what you're getting and the best mm -hmm. place to really be able to vet that probably does start with your network. And then if you need to get very specialized, like to your point, like if you're looking for someone who's really specifically trained in something, then maybe going to like, you know, an agency or Upwork to kind of dial in like, yeah, I need, like, I, need, I have a really specific need I need help with. Yeah. Yeah, that absolutely. Yeah. And I'll have uh, people in my own network that'll go find great people, whether it's, you know, a cousin of a cousin who is now a stay-at-home mom or um, a, your wife's friend at book club. That's now a lot of stay-at-home moms step into this because they need that. I need to work from like nine to two o'clock or mm -hmm. I need to work early in the morning or late at night, whatever that is around the kid's schedule. Um, so they might come to my training academy to get the training, find the great person. That's another option too. But it's all very teachable being a virtual assistant. Yeah, I think what I, th what I like about it, like not from the business owner side, but from the VA side is, you know, obviously the podcast is called Intentional Profits and um, Colt and I are very focused on helping intentional business owners and I feel like a VA is very intentional, right? Especially the stay at home mom who is like, I want to be able to raise my kids in the morning, but maybe do some work in the evening to kind of help out around the house or the military spouse who wants to be a supportive spouse and, but also provide income to the household and maybe just have like a purpose or, or a mission as well. Um, you know, I've, um, my wife works nights, so I stay home with, we, we chose not to send the baby to daycare. We have a six month old. And so there's mornings where I'm like daddy daycare. And yeah. uh, I know I could not do that 24 seven. Like I would go absolutely bonkers. And so I feel like that outlet is also just a really good option for, for moms or dads who are, are staying home. Yeah, it is. I'd say 80% of the students I've had the opportunity to train are in that situation where th their backgrounds are all diverse. Like we've had nurses, physicians, assistants, teachers, architects. It's crazy to me when these women were signing up. I'm like, what, what are you doing? But I totally get it because they just want the flexibility and something to do independently that gives them purpose outside of being a caregiver while their partner is off working in whatever job that is corporate or whatever that looks like. Um, and it really does satisfy that, that purpose, that need outside of income. I'm curious. I, I probably have nobody listening who wants to become a VA, but I'm I'm actually just curious. Like, what is the income potential of someone running their own VA business? So I just providing services cleared six figures about three and a half years ago. So I've been doing this for ten years. COVID really helped. 
Um, mm -hmm. But because, and I say COVID really helped because uh, it it really elevated our hourly rate. So now the base rate for virtual assistance is around $25 an hour in the States. It used to be 17, 15 before, um, just because, you know, you can go flip pizzas now for 20 bucks an hour. It's, mm -hmm. Everything's going up as we know. Um, so you can easily reach that six figure mark but it does take time. Like you have to really hone your expertise and, and get really good at what you do, offer project work um, and get some great retainers. And then it's, it's a really awesome career, which that's great. Yeah. Like all businesses, it takes work. You know, I, I mm -hmm. think social media has kind of tricked people into thinking just, you know, whether it's a VA or anything, right. Go online, coach, do this, be a consultant, you know, run a course, et cetera. And you're going to make six figures overnight. There's outliers that do, but for the most part, it's going to take it takes three, time. four, five years um, before you really get back to a place where you're probably making income that you were making before launching your business if you were like in a different career. There's a lot of young yeah. kids now who they've never had careers before. So, you know, obviously for them, it's it's just new money. But um, I, I just I think that we've been kind of tricked online to thinking that this is just going to happen overnight, yeah, but they're, they're no. just like, I mean, they're running their own business like anyone else. And so it, it's going to take time. Yeah, it certainly does. Um, and it's cool to see VAs, you know, start at 25 and then a few years later, which is 50,000 a year, a few years later, they're at, you know, 65,000 and just to see their, how their lifestyle changes and, and how, this works for them. Um, and then others that just want to purely do it part-time and are able to earn a great mm -hmm. part-time income. So that's an option too. Yeah. That's the the beauty of an online business is freedom. You can mm -hmm. choose, you can choose how much you want to work, how much money do you want to make? Um, have you ever watched the show suits? I did. Oh yeah. Start to finish. <laughs> so in my mind, I'm, I'm like thinking like, there's gotta be like the Donna of like virtual assistants that is just worth so much. Cause they are so damn good. Um, and so that's what I had in my mind. When I was like, what's the highest like income you've seen someone make? Cause I'm thinking there's gotta be anyone who hasn't watched suits. It's on Netflix. It's a great show. Uh, Donna's the secretary to one of the lawyers and she is just badass and I've pretty much knows that. everything. So, uh, yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking of there. Although I know not a VA, a VA is not necessarily a secretary, but, uh, that's kind that, of what I was doing in my head. Yeah. I'm going to, I might use that actually. Cause if you think about, um, growth as a virtual assistant ending up being, she's, you know, running that office and yeah. that's what VAs can do. I've certainly done that for my clients and, but you have to confidently step into that role as a VA and as a business owner, you got to let the VA grow into that and it's it's can be done so that's cool a va can be like an instrumental part of growing your business mm -hmm. i've seen Absolutely. it done oh yeah so many times where it's it's uh, essentially the right hand you know person to the business owner yeah um, and, I, and I don't think i don't think they get enough credit for that to be honest with you yeah, I think a message for the business owners is to then value them that way. So if mm -hmm. they're scaling and growing with you, bring them with you, elevate their title, uh, elevate their income as you grow, give them bonuses, bring, make them a part of your team. I see this happen and it, it works and BAs stay around for years in companies and it become a part of the team. I see a lot of books behind you. Are you familiar with um, Traction by Gina Wickman? Yeah, yeah, I love the EOS system. Yep. Yeah, so I'm just thinking like from an outside perspective, um, 
I think a lot of business owners are visionaries. I, mm-hmm. I think they, they start as visionaries. And so um, a VA can kind of be that integrator that they need. Oh, Anyone absolutely. who's not familiar with the book, the visionary is kind of the one. I think Steve Jobs has all the ideas, but kind of needs the help to like put them into place. Um, and then the integrator is kind of the, the operations guru that can really make things happen. Take those ideas and say, hey, you know, half of this doesn't make sense, but the other half we can like, here's how we do it and make it happen. Um, and I, I think there's a really great opportunity there for, because I think a lot of people think like, oh, I need an actual partner for the integrator. Maybe, maybe not, but you could you could probably find a, a VA who could grow with you and become the integrator to absolutely. your visionary. Yep, absolutely. I love having that conversation. And I've seen VAs, including myself, step into that role. So with my main client, she used to, she was the co-creator of Chicken Soup for the Soul. She's amazing. So she oh, wow. just spits out an idea and I just, I take it and it's, it's I'm already executing by lunchtime, right? It's, it's such a powerful dynamic and she has no idea how I, I get there or how I do it. She doesn't care. She brings the people in and, and it goes. So it's, it's a really powerful, um, when you can use that and, and the visionary gets out of the way and lets the integrator do the work. <laughs> That's probably a key part. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I, I assume you've probably had some, uh, some examples where the visionary doesn't get out of the way. Oh, de- certainly. Yep. Yeah. They don't last long <laughs> with me. But... Do you still do VA work or have you kind of... Just for that that one client. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. That's Elevated cool. outsourced COO, right? Because VAs, we can grow 13 years later. That's where you can be. And that's where business owners can... can I was kind of thinking about that earlier when you were saying like you could become you know, you could train in email marketing, social media, et cetera, was kind of the titling. Like at that point, do they call themselves a VA? You know what I mean? Like, or do they call themselves a social media manager or, you know, all the titles that you see online? Yeah. I have this conversation with my assistants a lot because I, I actually uh, encourage them to get rid of the title virtual assistant as soon as possible. We, we use it because it's to the okay. common business owner, that's mm-hmm. what they want. That's what they know they want. So it's that, but there's so much more than that. So as soon as they can get to being a director of operations or operations manager or account coordinator or social media manager, it's easier when you're just doing one thing. Um, mm-hmm. But more commonly, RBAs go in and they do five or six things across the the, plan, the plane of a business. Um, so, but yeah, I really encourage them getting out of that virtual assistant role. Cause there's so much more than that. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Niching down, um, mm-hmm. in a sense, the, um, you know, for a business owner, it, it makes a lot of sense to delegate to a 1099 and, yeah. you know, just from the financial aspect of it, I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that online business owners make is that they hire someone and they pay them a 1099. They're not truly a 1099. They should be a W2 employee assistant coach example, we'll go back to that. You know, if I, I hire you, Molly Rose, and I, I say, but you've got to do everything my way, like Justin's way, you got to show up at this time, you got to use my frameworks, you got to this, yeah. this and that. Um, I, I've expressed control over you. And, and that, that becomes an employee relationship, a W2, which means I need to pay half your social uh, self-employment taxes and all that stuff. Um, whereas a, a true 1099 relationship is like someone has their own business, say a VA business. Um, you tell them, hey, here's the task I want done. 
here's kind of the parameters around it. And you say, okay, cool. I'll get it done. And you go do it however you want using pretty much whatever tools you want, unless there's like a specific tool that has to be used. Right. Um, and then you come back and you say, here's the final product. Uh, here you go type situation. Um, and that's a great relationship for both because the 1099 is wanting to run their own business. That's their intent um, for more freedom. So it works for them. Um, and then the business owner is not on the hook for, you know, the W-2 requirements. So it's a really symbiotic relationship if done right. Yeah, I love that, how that's outlined. And, and that's a good reminder for me because when my VAs get asked to operate in a way that is a W-2, that's a good way to kind of set that boundary and that barrier because they are a 1099 and they deserve to be able to work when they want and not be told that they have to plug in at eight and be out by five or whatever that looks like. So, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think it's probably more challenging if um, there's like a time specific role, like if they're supposed to be sure. answering phones or something like that. I don't know if they do that or not. Uh, but that's the only thing that really comes up for me is like, I don't know exactly how that would work. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, they, they should have no control over the, the 1099's behavior mm -hmm. or else they're just being cheap and not hiring a W-2. Yeah, I agree. And there's, yeah, pros to working on a 1099 too. But yeah, it's good. As the person doing the 1099, yeah, there's pros and cons. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Better, be better be prepared for your own tax bill. <laughs> your own taxes. Oh, God, I hate yeah. tax season. <laughs> yeah. The... Um, do you do anything like in your training to help prepare um, the VAs? Like you're starting your own business. Like you need yep. to know these things are going to happen. Yeah. We talk a lot about taxes. I'm, I'm super risk adverse. So I'm always the one that's like, take your percentage of your income, put it over here and don't pay attention to it. Um, and then of course doing estimated tax payments mm -hmm. when you need to, we talk about that. Um, super important. I love estimated tax because it's just out of your, out of your, out of your, you know, bank account prepaid. It's just so good for them to get introduced to that early on. Mm -hmm. So even if they don't do it, they're not shocked because that is the, that's one of the, the most common early business mistakes I see is that that first year of really good income, the entrepreneur is just shocked by their tax bill. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it's not the first year of business because, you know, if you break even the first year, maybe make a little bit of money the second year. And then like you have that hockey stick growth that year three. But you're like, well, I've never really paid estimated taxes in my the first two years of business. Why would I do it now? Yep. And then, you know, you make 150K of, of you know, profit. It's, that's, you know, a third, a third of that's 50K. <laughs> you better have that in the bank. Yeah. So. Uh, it's really good and really cool that you, you kind of, even if you're just, you know, highlighting that it's, it's there, <laughs> it's going to happen whether you yep. like it or not be prepared. So that's cool. Kudos to you. Yeah. I do community calls with my VAs, uh, every month and the tax conversation is one that I consistently do every single year. Like it just, it's just part of the cycle just to get, make sure that they're ready. We usually do it like in November so they can do something about it before the end of the year if they need to. Very cool. As we start to wrap up, what does uh, building an intentional business mean to you? Building an intentional business to me is creating a career around my life, not a life around my career. And Love that. it's a quote that I came up with about two months ago and I've been saying it every day and it's, it's truly what I've done. And I, I can say I did it intentionally because I quit that that job called Turkey. And, and that was the full reason why. Um, so that's, that's it for me. 
Yeah, and you're probably a lot happier now. <laughs> Beyond, yeah, very happy. Did, how long? How long did it take you to replace that corporate salary? I bet because I bet you did. Yeah, I did. It took about two years. So yeah, I made that's pretty quick. Thirty the first year, thirty-five the second year, and then hit. I mean, I was out right out of college, so got into that 45, 47 range, and then I was off. Very cool. All mm -hmm. right, last question for you. I see you got a bunch of books behind you. What's what's the the best book that you recommend to other entrepreneurs? Uh, you'll like this. So Tax-Free Retirement, you read that? Or The Power of Zero, same concept? No, the one I have is Tax-Free Wealth. I, I was like, hmm, maybe I have that one. Um, Who's 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 the author of Tax Free Retirement? I have it somewhere. I should know it. We could Google it really quickly. Um, here it Patrick is. Kelly. Patrick Kelly, and then The Power of Zero, David McKnight. So why I love these for anyone, and I give them to everyone. Um, you know, my finance background is still in me, but it's all about what you can do today to not pay taxes in the future, which was my question for you. If we were going to talk about finances was what can people be doing now to avoid tax later? I learned that a lot of people are getting their, they're not even seeing their social security because everything's taxed before they even get it. And so by doing things like Ross or infinite banking now, that's kind of what my model yeah i'm a com i'm completely against the infinite banking concept so we can we can do that <laughs> yeah i'd love to talk want. about it <laughs> um, maybe offline but but anyway but there's other good stuff in here other good stuff gotcha um you know taxes obviously is a huge issue for online business owners while you're working and while you're not working the reality is is that you're going to get taxed it's just a matter of are you going to pay taxes now or are you going to pay taxes later right and if you don't do either of those, you're probably committing tax fraud. Like, let's be honest, a lot yep. of social media <laughs> advice, a lot of the advice online, and it's it's unfortunate because um, you're seeing like CFPs, CPAs, EAs also put out misinformation or like very aggressive, risky information. So it's like even hard to like, who do I trust at this point? Yeah. Uh, but some of the information is unfortunately very bad, very misleading. And, and if you got audited by the IRS, like you're probably going to owe quite a bit of money. Um, so the reality is you have to pay taxes now or later. There are very legitimate ways to reduce your taxes. As a business owner, one of the best ways is self-retirement uh, employment plans. Yes, a lot of people don't realize that, uh, you know, you went, you had a corporate job. So most people, when you have a corporate job, you have the 401k and all these benefits, of, you know, given to you. And then you leave and you're like, well, I don't have a 401k, so I can't save. But no, the reality is, is that the IRS um, or that there are tax or um, there are investment plans out there that are designed specifically for self-employed individuals. Um, some of them allow you to defer, you know, the, the limits change annually, but sometimes up to, you know, $65,000 a year, um, depending on how much money you make. There's, you know, equations and all that. But there's really good options out there. There's a SEP IRA. There's a solo 401k. Those are two of the big ones. Um, and some solo 401ks will allow you to do Roth as well. And so to your point, the Roth is that you're paying tax now. So you make money. We'll, we'll say $100,000. You make $100,000 now. You pay taxes on it. Let's say it's 30%. Now you have $70,000. You're using that $70,000 to contribute to a Roth. 
whether it's a Roth IRA or a Roth solo 401k, a 401k would give you a higher contribution limit. Um, so you're taking money out of post-tax. It's going to sit in that account. It's going to grow tax-free. And then later on, you can withdraw it tax-free. There are some stipulations on how you can withdraw it. Uh, we won't really get into that. But that's the idea there is that's the yeah. tax-free money in retirement. Um, but that doesn't always make the most sense because if that makes sense, if you're you're making less now than you anticipate I'm sorry. Yeah. If you're making less now than you anticipate right. in the future, because you'll be in a higher tax bracket in the future. So you're benefiting by having tax-free money. If you're in a really high tax bracket now, and you anticipate being in a lower one in the future, it doesn't make the most sense because you're making so much money now. If you pay taxes on it now, and then it's tax-free in the future, it's like, well, you could have deferred taxes and paid it when you were in a lower right tax bracket. So I think generalizing it and just saying it's always makes sense to do the tax-free money. It's not, it doesn't always make sense, especially for business owners. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of planning that goes, goes on around that. Infinite banking is a whole nother beast. There's so uh -huh. much misinformation out there on, um, TikTok and Instagram and, um, Personally, I I just I'm not a huge fan of it. There's a lot of hidden fees. There's a lot mm -hmm. of there's a cost of insurance which is uh, mm -hmm. usually ignored. I tend to believe that you can invest money and beat out those accounts over the long term. But they're so new that all they can really show you are projections. And yep. you and I both have a finance background. We can make a projection look as good as we want to. Um, and so I think it's a it's more of a legitimate strategy for someone who is really wealthy um, and it serves as a piece of the strategy, uh, yeah, not the entire, not the entire Completely one. Completely agree. But there's, um, God, they're so, they're so oversold online and there's so much information, misinformation around them. Like I've, I've heard the strategy of like, oh, you're in debt, like get this, you know, cash value life insurance policy to then pay off the debt. And it's like, you literally have to do like mental gymnastics for that to work. You're like, yeah, no, you're so confused yeah. by when you get done with the explanation that you're just like, Oh, okay. It'll help me get out of debt. Okay. Let's do this. And it's like, yeah. no, it makes no sense. So, um, yeah, I'd say there's like, maybe I'm generalizing, but maybe 5% of the population that should be doing it. Um, but yeah, definitely a, five or less. Interesting that's a good, portfolio play. <laughs> yeah. That's a yeah. good estimate. It's probably 5% or less. Um, they weren't so oversold on social media. I think they probably. I've never be such seen a... that. You've never, <laughs> never seen se it. No, oh. half the time I mention it, people people are like, "What's that?" Well, that, this other thing is they have like a hundred different names, so people just people get cute and they call it, um, you know, something different every time. Um, there's there's a couple guys that are really big, and the finance community just like tears them apart. And it's a kind of a big discussion in my community right now because they're not regulated. And no, that doesn't really make sense why they wouldn't be regulated when they're selling it as an investment. Um, we could talk all day about that. But, we could. <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right. So those are the two books. So Power of Zero and what was the other one? Tax-Free Retirement. Cool. Just interesting. Just an interesting perspective makes you think a little bit differently about money when you're old. 
absolutely we all will get old we don't like yes. to think about that uh, but it's it, it'll probably come sooner <laughs> probably come sooner than we want yes if we're lucky most of us will get there mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. awesome molly rose i really appreciate you coming on let everyone know where can they find you online learn more about you and the businesses that you're running Yep. So I'm Molly Rose Speed on Instagram, and I'm happy to chat with anyone if you had any questions about what we chatted about or talked about today. Um, Virtual Assistant Academy is my certification program, and Virtual Assistant Management is where you go to find an amazing certified virtual assistant. Awesome. If you want to learn more about being a virtual assistant or getting a virtual assistant, Molly Rose, reach out to her. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much. Are you enjoying the new Intentional Profits podcast? If so, go ahead, leave us a five-star review and a written review and let us know what you think. And in the meantime, if you're interested in joining the waitlist for the Intentional Profits community, go to intentionalprofits.co and hop on the waitlist and you'll be one of the first to know about the founders, discount, and how to get started and when we are launching and going live. We'll see you next time.